October 19th. Mike Rutherford's here in sunny and lovely Louisville, Kentucky. Dan Sennard is up there in ugly, gray, gross, weird Columbus, Ohio. Dan, uh, recording a podcast here for the first time in a while that is normal with you being at home and not being shuttled around somewhere or walking around out in public. It feels good to talk to you in, in kind of a normal back and forth here. Yeah, no, it's it's nice to be home after kind of being out on the road for a little bit. Um, we got we got a big week here with college game day coming. So uh, the Ohio State um, kind of stereotypical fathers are all pretty jacked up here to to get that game going. We got Halloween just around the corner. We got a bye week. It's pumpkin pumpkin patch week for all Ooh. cards fans. Um, so I'm sure Hubers is going to be slammed this week. So yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to be back. Um, unfortunately coming off a loss, I'm sure we'll talk about, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I I don't know how you are with this. Like if we had recorded the podcast a little bit earlier, if we'd done this on Sunday or, or Monday or maybe even Tuesday, I feel like my tone with regards to the pit loss would be. A little bit different uh, as the weeks going on. And by the way, we we did lose to Pitt on Saturday. In case you're wondering what we're talking about, the football team went up there, got beat 38 to 21. The dream season, the undefeated season, has come to an end. Still a chance for a special season, and we'll get to all that good stuff. But like, I was definitely down uh, about the loss on Saturday night and, and Sunday, and it, it was more just the fact that it was the game from hell. The fact that everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. The fact that I, yeah, at the risk of sounding like Notre Dame fans a week ago, I watched that full game. I watched us, us lose by 17, and I still walked away not feeling like Pitt was that good or that Pitt played particularly well against us. It felt like a lot of self-inflicted stuff, a lot of the elements coming back and biting us in the ass. Jawar being hurt certainly did not hurt uh, help. Um, you know, Having to play in those, those conditions on that field, it was just a lot of different shit that went into us losing that game by 17 points. And it, like I was pretty upset about it. And now, as the bye week has continued on, I, I think I'm starting to see the the forest for the trees, and I'm starting to think, you know, six and one at this point in the season, we all would have signed up for this at the beginning of the year. And honestly, if you'd asked me, would you be willing to trade a, a loss over a top ten Notre Dame team at home with the sold out crowd and storming the field and all that stuff for a, uh, I mean, I guess a win over a Notre Dame team for a loss against a bad Pittsburgh team a week later? would you take that trade? And my answer would have been yes. Like I, I think that the the good of the Notre Dame win certainly outweighs the bad of the pit loss. And now as, as time goes on and we start to get ready for Duke next week, I think that more people are, are seeing that. But where are you mentally with uh, going through the, the grief stages of Louisville's first loss this season? I'm kind of with you. When it first happened, here's so basically when it was just one of those feelings, like as soon as like, the fucking CW came on and they like had like a live <laughs> shot of the, the dreary, like dark field. The, the rain was coming and I was like, God, I just something about this game just doesn't feel right. And I had like convinced myself even before the game that it was, you know, not saying we were going to lose, but like almost like it was going to be an uphill battle. But, I mean, God, the biggest tease ever was that pit first drive and just how awful they looked and how yeah. we just went right down the field and scored. And I was like, okay, you know what? Completely wrong about about this. This, this might be like a 35-7 win here. Um, and it still seemed for a while like that could actually happen 
Um, I mean, there was, you know, a couple plays. I'm sure everyone's talked about on the radio, you know, the, the, the Jack Plummer sack fumble just for a guy that's, you know, played college football as long as he has. Just an absolute can't happen. Changed the entire game. Um, and then from there on, you know, I, and I texted you this, and I think a lot of people felt the same way. You know, in the first half, I was like, God, if we get up two scores here, I mean, it just feels like we're going to put this game away, and we just cannot get over that hump for whatever reason. So, yeah, I mean, as time has gone on, you know, I'm not livid as I was on Saturday night, but I'm still a little bit frustrated because, like you said, I mean, we, I really, even without Jawar, it felt like we were the better team. You know, people that were like, oh, Narduzzi outcoached Brom. Was it Brom's best, you know, finest hour? Absolutely not. You know, I think everyone agrees he, he kind of got pass happy there. But Narduzzi, Jesus, he was like trying to give us the game um, yeah. with, with some of the stuff he was doing. I wasn't impressed by him at all. So frustrating. Um, but like you said, w- would I trade it for, for the Notre Dame win? Yeah, I would. Um, but I just hate that coming off that Notre Dame win, you kind of hear, you know, the noise from the outside saying like, okay, you know, I still don't think this team is for real. Um, and it, it, it sucks that we kind of just played into, you know, all the haters and, and came out kind of the way we did. It also is, it's depressing to see the way that Notre Dame played against USC yep. and all the love that they're getting now. And you look at the top 25 rankings and, and who lost last week and what happened. Like, if we just, even if we win an ugly game against Pitt, if we somehow find a way to pull that out, like 31-28 or, or whatever the score would have been, we're probably a top 10 team right now going into the bye week and we're, you know, we're, we're dreaming crazy things still. It, it would have been a lot of fun. I hate that it escaped us. I, I'm like you. I, I think the the operative word there is frustrated. I think that's the big, like, like I, I've been listening to, we have Kentucky shows on our, our, our radio station so I've heard some of what they've been talking about. You know, they lose to Missouri by the same exact score that we do, which made things a little bit better on Saturday night. Not a lot better, but a little bit better. And they've been like they've been angry. They've they've been pissed off. Like, like they're concerned about stoops. They're concerned about the way the teams play. They're, they're, they're concerned about the direction of the season. All that stuff. I think for us, our loss was just frustrating because it, it, like the entire game, you kept waiting for us to pull away. You kept waiting for that one or two plays that were going to to give us some breathing room and it just never happened and you're right like we come out the big concern is the is the big letdown after the Notre Dame game you know Jeff Brom struggles with keeping his teams focused after big wins all that that narrative is out there and we come out quick three and out for Pitt get the ball boom six plays later we're in the end zone and I'm like you I'm I'm like I don't know why I was so nervous about this this is going to be fine and then even after that Pitt, Pitt has negative yardage on their first three drives. Like they, they do nothing on offense. Christian Veyer looks like a, a deer in the headlights. I'm thinking we're just going to roll these guys. And then the mistakes start mounting. You have a couple of calls that go against us. I mean, the, the biggest call of the game, everyone talks about the Kevin Coleman overturned catch, which was total bullshit. But the biggest call for me was, you know, we get they go three and out. We go and score. They go three and out again. Kevin Coleman returns the punt like to the 50 or right across the 50. We've got short field position to, to, to go score again and go up by two scores. Yeah. And they call a, a holding penalty, which we never see, thanks CW, on the punt, which sends us all the way back to our own 10, and that kind of stalls the drive out right there. If that penalty flag doesn't get thrown, I feel like we score, and then Pitt's panicking. We're up 14 nothing or 10 nothing, and we're kind of coasting. 
and that just never happened. And like you said, then you know we, we put the ball on the ground a couple of times. Garendo fumbles, Plummer fumbles. We recover both those. But then the, the Plummer, the, the the Plummer not throwing the ball away was the weirdest of all the turnovers because he sees the rusher. Yeah. He escapes to the left, and, and then acts like the guy's just going to disappear. Like I, I don't know. I, I don't. You know he's right there. How do you not just throw it away at that point? I don't know. I have no idea what the hell he was thinking, and like that one was an absolute killer. I mean, all of them were were, were killers. You know, the the other big play of the game that stood out to me wasn't even the the pick six interception. It's the fact that he couldn't put that ball on Jamari Thrash for a walk in touchdown. Uh, again, he overthrows it just a little bit, and Thrash can't keep his feet because he has to overextend. And right when that happened, like I didn't even celebrate. I, I didn't even celebrate the big play because I was like, "We're not going to score. Like something's going to happen. We're going to kick a field goal, or we're going to, you know, throw an interception." And sure enough, we go from being ahead twenty-eight twenty-four if he just throws the easy pass to the Devonshire kid, of course, the Kentucky transfer. Gets a pick six. They're up thirty-one twenty-one, and then from that point, we just were we're panicking. We're playing from behind, and and the game was was all but over. What's funny is, I think everything that uh, Coach Brom said about uh, Jack in the preseason is like dead accurate. Like yeah. everything, he was like, "Yeah, you know, uh, great leadership." And like, I'm not. I I do. I mean, I I think Jack kind of commands the huddle. He has a little bit of a presence about him. Um, you know, we got to get him more consistent on throws, which like we've same thing. We've seen him make great throws and we've seen some God awful throws. He tries to do a little too much. We've seen that numerous times. So I, I think, I think, uh, Jeff's description of him going to the season was, was perfect. You know, am I one of those guys that's calling for a quarterback change right now? No, I mean, definitely. I, I mean, we're six and one. Um, and Jack's had some moments. Now, I will say, you know, there's a couple plays there that just absolutely can't happen. I thought it was interesting that uh, Paul Rogers said on Monday that, you know, Jeff might be willing to to switch QBs if he had to. Uh, you know, I kind of put some, you know, credence in Paul's thoughts. So sure. I, 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 uh, I thought that was interesting that he said that, but yeah, I know it was just one of those games, like you said, you know, with the elements and everything lined up for that to be a game that we should lose, and that's why I was disappointed that we kind of, you know, almost fell into that. And um, there was some very questionable calls, but I think Pitt also got a couple calls as well. But I don't know; it's uh, it's frustrating. I I I do think they're going to bounce back against Duke. I hope Jawar, you know. Is healthy. That really that was such a kick in the nuts to start the game, um, but we'll see how they respond coming off this bye week. Yeah, CW broadcast starting off hot with the report that Jawar Jordan's out for the game, and then he plays like thirty yeah. seconds later, and then they zoom in on Greg Brom talking about Jeff. I was like, here we go, CW, very special yeah. episode of Charmed coming up next. Uh, I mean, on the plumber thing because that is one of the main topics of conversation in the city this week for sure. Like I, the only way I can sum it up, and we've been talking about this since the summer, and like he's not going to be somebody that he's he's not. Like like he, he is who he is, and at some point we just have to accept that. I mean, I talked to somebody this summer that would know, and, and their big take on the team was, we're 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 going to be good. We're a really good quarterback away from being like a real problem. Was what they were saying, and. 
Like, I think that's kind of true. I mean, are there some other areas that could be a little bit better? Sure. But if we had a, if we had a top 10 quarterback in college football, which is not absurdly rare for Louisville football over the years, we've definitely been spoiled at the quarterback position, but if we had one of those guys, you can see the throws that are out there. Like, you, you can see that a, a quarterback with a stronger arm or maybe just a quicker eye there are big plays all over the field. And uh, Saturday was another game where Plummer just – he couldn't hit on the deep ball. He underthrew a bunch of guys. He made the wrong read a couple of times. And, and then just the, the decision-making the, – the mistakes are so glaring when he screws up. It's not like a, a little mistake or he gets away with it or, or whatever. It just always winds up being something that you just cannot do, especially as a six-year quarterback. If they're going to make – think about making a change, which I – haven't heard that they are, but Paul would know more than I would for sure. Like I, I kind of assume it's going to be Harrison Bailey because I don't think they're going to go to – you know what you're getting with Brock Doman and Evan Conley. It's the same deal with Plummer, except I think they're just a little bit worse than he is. Bailey, I've, I've heard all year long there's a, a big curiosity with him because he's got such a big arm. They feel like they can you know, they, they can work with that. Like He's got tools that the, other, the, the rest of the guys don't. I think Brady Allen's got a big arm too, but he's – behind Bailey when it comes to development and understanding the offense and just confidence overall. Like, I think that they maybe think they could work with that a little bit. So if there's a switch, that's the guy that I would probably point to and say they're, they're trying to do an Aiden O'Connell. They're trying to say, look, he's a big arm. He's never been coached the right way. We're going to coach him the right way, and he's going to take advantage of the system. But if I had to guess, I think this is still Jack Plummer's team, I, I think, until the end of the season. No, I totally agree. I think – uh, another thing to point out in the second half, I mean, we all love, you know, Jamari, um, but geez, I mean, yeah. talk about like zeroing in on a guy. I'm like, yeah. all right, maybe we, we probably got to start spreading the ball around. And I mean, you know, we got Duke coming up in two weeks and I think they have one of the highest, you know, or one of the top cornerbacks in all of football that I'm sure is going to take the, you know, Jamari assignment. Um, I forget his name. I think it's, uh, I got it here. Miles Jones. Um, so, you know, we're going to have to get other guys involved here coming up. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way you are. At this point, I would feel uncomfortable with a quarterback change. Um, you know, 6-1 and one is 6-1, and one, although, I, you know, there, there's times where Jack has held us back. Um, but, I, you know, it wasn't all on Jack. Uh, there was times uh, the there was times the defense was great, but there was you know some some plays there that I was like, geez, we can't let this happen. I mean, the quarterback for them, uh, I'm already blanking on his name. <laughs> I mean, talk, yeah, talk about doing a 180. I mean, geez, the first like five minutes, I was like, geez, this kid couldn't start for whole eternity, and then uh, and then he's like, you know, throwing 35 yard deep balls like perfect in the rain. Um, so. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I I think it's a team loss. Uh, we you know Brock Travel said missed a field goal that sucked. Um, was like there I any said, Louisville fan in in the world that thought that field goal was going in? No, absolutely when, when, not. when when we sent him out there to kick it because you know it was like a fourth and three or whatever, and it was a forty seven yard field goal. I, like I, myself, like everybody else that I talked to was like I had zero confidence this is going to go well, in. Well, that's like one sure of the hardest places to kick anyways. Like e- even for NFL games, everyone says, you know, Heinz Field is one of the hardest places to kick field goal. And then you add in the elements. Um, yeah, I-, I wasn't a fan of that. Um, yeah, there was, geez, I, I just, I- I'm still scratching my head over, 
kind of get in a way, but it seemed like Isaac was getting, you know, I know he put the ball on the ground that one time, but it seemed like he was getting five, six yards a pop pretty regularly. And even Maurice Turner, I know he got stopped on that fourth and one. Um, it just kind of boggled my mind. I was like, God, we're throwing the ball 50 times here. So I don't know. Tell me what you think about this. And this is like coming from my dad. Um, he's like, yeah, you know, Jeff's from that, you know, kind of Petrino tree. And it kind of felt like when we got behind, it's some of the same stuff that Bobby used to do, get a little pass happy. And, you know, I actually somewhat agree with that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I hope that in the future that when things kind of go awry, that we can kind of keep, you know, the same balance that we usually, you know, have going into the game. No, I agree. I, I think the fact that we threw the ball 52 times is a little bit misleading. I, I think people are using that as like a stat this week to, to just that, that yeah. is flaring. But the reality is we threw it on our last three drives because we were down by two scores. So it, it was a little bit inflated by the end of the game. But there were times where when we were going back and forth, when it was a one possession game in the, in the, th- the third quarter, we'd have a nice drive where Mo Turner or Isaac Arendo would you know, be getting five or six yards per chunk. And then it was like Jeff wanted to catch them sleeping. Like, like he wanted to, he, he thought we couldn't keep doing it consistently. And for the most part, he's been good at those plays this year where when an opposing defense is so honed in on the run, he can kind of catch them napping a little bit and hit a, a nice little quick throw to keep the, the defense honest. But it wasn't working on Saturday. And so we'd go from running the ball effectively to trying something cute on first and 10 to having it be an incompletion or a bad snap or plumber get sacked. And then boom, we're at second and long and we have to change the entire play calling for the drive. Uh, That happened multiple times. It was getting a little bit annoying. I do think that if he had to do it over, he would just keep it more simple and, and keep the ball on the ground. And, now, I mean, it's you know, high, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and, and there's nothing we can do about it now. But I, I, I agree with you. I agree with your dad. We did seem to get a little bit pass happy at times when it wasn't overly necessary. Let me ask you, the fourth down call to start the second half. It's gotten a lot of attention this week. Louisville's up 21-14. They get the ball to start the second half. They go for it on fourth and one from their own 34, essentially. Turner gets stopped. Uh, Pitt doesn't score a touchdown. They do get held to a field goal, but it did feel like that kind of set the tone for the second half. Uh, your thoughts on the call? Uh, I'm perfectly fine with the call, but I would have changed personnel. I just felt comfortable with Garendo back there at the time. Um, and not saying that Turner was, you know, he, he was having a fine game. I just, in those type of situations, I don't know why, uh, it just seems like Garendo is able to kind of grind out that yard if you need it. Um, especially if, you know, the defense kind of makes that initial hit either behind or at the line of scrimmage, um, just with the way he's built. So I was okay with the call. I mean, I know people don't love shotgun, but I'll tell you what, that call set up what should have been a touchdown. I mean, we talked about it, the Jack Plummer overthrowing Jamari Thrash. I mean, that was basically, you know, the the bait for that next play and should have been six. So I was okay with the call. Just would have liked to see Garendo in that situation. It's really easy to criticize Brom for the call now because it, you know, it, it does seem like the defense was playing well. You don't want to give them momentum to start the second half. I'd feel like a hypocrite if I did that. And I said the same thing on Monday because when it happened live and I'm watching the game in real time, you, you know, we have a, a second down, a third down play where Plummer throws the ball to Thrash. He catches the ball right at the sticks, 
and then gets knocked back a little bit. Uh, he he kind of his momentum takes him back, and he winds up being a yard short. And when that happened, I'm like, go for it. I, like, like I said out loud, I was like, go for it. Like let's seize this game right now. And I think Jeff was feeling the same thing that all of us were. Like like he was frustrated because he felt like we were moving the ball on them consistently. They weren't moving the ball consistently against us, and yet it's still a, a one possession game. And I think that he felt if they could just get up by two scores, that order would be restored. They would start panicking a little bit. We could pull away, and then that was going to be the game. And, and I think that's his mindset coming out of the locker room: is go down, score. Let's run away from these guys. Let's stop. You know, let's not let them even think that they can hang out with us. Let's go win like we're supposed to. And so, you know, we had been dominating the point of attack up to that point. We've been dominating the line of scrimmage, and I'm thinking like you are: like, we should be able to get a yard here. But I had the same thought too. I think if Jawar is in there and he's healthy, or if Isaac Garendo's in there we pick up that yard. They showed the overhead shot. Like there was a, there was a hole. Like there, there was a gap where if you just shoot through there, no hesitation and just dive forward, you're going to pick up that first down. The only complaint that, that we've had with Mo Turner through his first two years or a year and a half here is he does kind of dance behind the line of scrimmage a little bit, sort of pitter patter. He's more of a make you miss explosive guy in space running back than he is a hit the, hit the hole hard and get what you can type running back. And I think that kind of bit us there. I didn't mind the shotgun. Uh, again, it's easy to say in hindsight we should have gone under center, but you know we've run that play a lot in short yardage situations this year, and we've picked it up a lot. And, and it was just a matter of guys not getting it done, and Turner, I think, being a slight, slightly hesitant, uh, ends up giving them the ball and giving them a lot of momentum to start the half. But again, like I, I can't say sit here and say it was the, it was a wrong move, it was a dumb move because I was watching the game and saying at the time, go for it, do the exact think, same thing that they did. I think. Um... Like, like you know, like all fans that were watching the game, I'm sure Jeff obviously was the same way. We were just so desperate scores, and I think he felt the same way because I think we wanted to turn their team into a pass happy team and just you know have because yeah. they were able to you know when it's a one score game they can still mix up the pass and the run and you know uh, they they burned us a few times there and I I think Jeff's mindset was like God if we can get this team and just all passing situations and kind of, you know, release Ashton and, you know, whoever else to get after the quarterback. I think we're going to have a lot more success on that side of the ball. So I, I understand his mindset. I, you know, I, I think Jeff always has the mindset that he's confident that his team's able to pick up a yard whenever they need it. And unfortunately, you know, it backfired there. It, it didn't help either. I mean, we definitely let Christian Bayer get comfortable, which sucked. You know, he threw the ball 26 times. We only pressured him on five throws, only had one sack, which was a little bit surprising considering how much we just terrorized Sam Hartman the week before. But it didn't help Jarvis Brownlee getting hurt. didn't help at all. Um, Storm Duck comes into the game. They definitely go right at him like during that entire yeah. drive where they go down and score. Brownlee comes back into the game, and they put him at safety, which was strange. I don't, I don't know if that's something we're going to see moving forward, but that was a little bit of a, a weird deal. They kept Storm out there. Uh, he ended up being mostly okay, but they were – like for a little bit there, that that really hurt. It was just a it was a weird game. Again, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, like I don't think that Pitt's going to turn this around and have a fantastic season. I don't think they're a very good team. Um, I was really fucking sick of seeing Narduzzi on TV. Like yeah. he he was reaching Dave Clawson levels where they're showing him like the over exaggerated first down point when they would pick up a short yardage play. I was like, geez, shut the fuck up, dude. Like I don't know if the Bring Brom Home guy got in his head that much that he was that pissed off, but it was. It was annoying. It was an annoying game to lose, but I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised this week 
when people have, have asked me, you know, how pissed off have Louisville fans been? I'm sure Monday was all gloom and doom. There was a lot of you know, people that t- would text into the radio show, people that would contact me on social media. There was a lot of talking about the game and being upset and, and second-guessing some things and talking about Plummer. But almost all of those responses, they ended with some variation of still glad to be 6-1, and one, still thrilled that Jeff is here. We all would have taken this before the start of the season. I think the fans have kept a, a pretty rational view on what happened on Saturday. It sucked, but yeah, like, like – Losses are going to happen in most football seasons. Overall, we've still had a really good year, and we still have a lot to play for in these last five games. It shows you kind of what happens with the fan base when the coach builds up a lot of you know goodwill with the fan base. Um, obviously, the 6-0 and start and went over Notre Dame. National relevance will do that, um, especially, you know, it's a first-year coach. I, I, I think people had high expectations of the team, but I think – you know, they were also realistic expectations as well. Um, and then, I mean, like you, you compare that, and I mean, we'll talk about basketball in a little bit, but, you know, we win by 41 against, a you know, a grade school team, but uh, it, it's it's almost the exact opposite. It's, it's a lot of negative takes for the most part. So, um, yeah, I was happy to see that out of the fan base as well. Um, I'm very – very anxious to see how they come out against Duke. Um, I, I just, I just feel like we're a different team at home. I don't know what it is. I, I just feel really confident at home versus on the road, like almost, you know, even more than past squads with this team. Um, so I, uh, I'm already looking forward to that game. Yeah. I mean, in Jack Plummer, if you want to look at reason to be excited yeah. for the future, uh, like he, his numbers at home are night and day different than they are on the road, and we only have one road game left, so that's a that's a good thing. Uh, we'll talk obviously a lot more about Duke on next week's episode, but that's going to be a huge game. I mean, Duke is is what number fourteen right now, number sixteen right now, and they'll play Florida State this weekend. So regardless of what happens in that game, they're probably going to be nationally ranked. We're still in the polls at number twenty one. This will be just the seventh. LNN Stadium game where that has featured a top 25 team versus a top 25 team. We talked about that a little bit a couple weeks ago against before the Notre Dame game. So that's going to be a big deal. And also, if you win that game, I think then you get people re-energized and start. Yep. Uh, they start refocusing on the ACC championship race and the the possibility of us going seven and one and earning a berth in, in that conference championship game. Like that will start being a topic of conversation again. It's going to be a big deal. Like that, I hope that the crowd. I can't sit here and say I expect it to be Notre Dame levels, but I hope that it's close enough that it gives us a real, real solid advantage because that's a, it, it's going to be a it's a big one for sure. Very, very interested to see what they end up putting on as far as game time goes. Um, I mean, we all love the oh, not I shouldn't say we all. I enjoy the night games, but I think everyone's sweet spot, if I had to agree, would be around three thirty. Um, you know, but we'll see. I. Uh, I'm with you, though. It's a big game. I hope the fans show out. I think they will. Um, and, yeah, let's let's try to just keep our head in this ACC race. I mean, Carolina looks really good. Um, they do. And, and then Florida State, you know, they kind of are what they are at this point. They seem like they're a, they're a contender. So it, it's going to be tough, but I think a win here, um, we're at least still in the conversation. Yeah, if you go seven and one, I, I still feel like we have a very solid chance. I mean, keep in mind Duke has not lost a conference game yet. 
So if we win this, that guarantees us that we would have the the head-to-head tiebreaker. You know, they still we'll see what happens with them against Florida State this weekend. UNC they've got to play Duke as well. They have to play at Clemson. NC State I think it's is looking like they're not very good, so that's not going to be tough. UNC this weekend or next weekend I should say also circle that Georgia Tech game. I mean Tech has been they, they they're beat frisky. Miami. They're 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 frisky for sure. Like that is upset potential. We saw that firsthand in week one. So if we can get a couple losses on Carolina or one loss in the next couple of weeks, then I think you start to feel more and more confident about, hey, if we can just go 7-1, and one, we probably are going to be going to Charlotte, which would be a hell of an accomplishment for this team. Um, obviously, again, a lot more Duke talk next week. We'll be back on the podcast. We have basketball to talk about this week. Before we're, go- we're going to do that, we're going to remind you about our sponsors over at Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel with the best gear for every college sports fan, they've got over 150 college teams, including, of course, your Fighting Cardinals of Louisville. They've got the softest hoodies, the best T-shirts, the coolest retro designs. Check out their wide array of shirts and hoodies and sweatshirts at homefieldapparel.com. And when you check out, if it's your first purchase from Homefield Apparel, use the, our promo code CHRONICLE15 at checkout. It'll save you 15% off that purchase. They've got a new UofL item coming in the next couple of months that you are going to want to keep an eye out for. I promise you that. If you want to make sure that you're at Homefield Apparel without an E and at Homefield Apparel on Instagram, that's when you'll find out all their freshest releases. Homefieldapparel.com. We love our guys over there. All right, Dan, we've got uh, basketball to talk about, and it's not like a woe is me, I think about jumping off the bridge type discussion, at least yeah. not yet. This is going to be fun. I mean, I, I, we'll have to we'll nitpick some stuff for sure. But Louisville won a basketball game last night. I don't know if you've seen this. I don't know if you've heard about this. The Cards come out. They play a unbelievably early exhibition opener. Nobody else is playing an exhibition game this early. I thought I thought it was weird. I checked the stats uh, via Kelly Dickey. This was our earliest uh, exhibition game ever by a full week. The previous early earliest game was against Pikeville in 2011 on October 26th. So it's odd to see a team facing another team this early in the, the, the preseason, but the cards come out. They beat Simmons College of Kentucky 91-50. to 50. Um, Like you said, the, Simmons College is basically it, – it's a great school. It, it's like they play at the essentially the lowest level of college basketball in that uh, National Christian College's athletic association. So you, you can take this for what it's worth. And – Although the final score is what we wanted it to be, the first 12 minutes certainly were not. Uh, Louisville comes out at the under-eight timeout. They've got almost more turnovers than field goal attempts. They had, had turned the ball over 12 times. They'd only attempted 13 field goals. They weren't playing great defense. Simmons College was just missing a lot of wide-open shots and doing Simmons College things. But eventually they settled down. It looked, I mean, the way that it should. Some guys played well. The offense got going. The defense took advantage of their opponent. And, uh, again, there was one more little stretch where it was really bad to start the second half. But outside of that, it was, I mean, better. I'll say that. It was definitely better. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's it really is. It's hard to take anything away from an opponent that is just that, you know, overwhelmed, basically. Um, I don't know. It's, you know. It's the first scrimmage. There's a long way to go. I mean, a long way. You you can at least see it with some guys. You're like, all right, like we have stuff to to work with. Like from an individual standpoint, with 
obviously some of these freshmen, um, some of the returning players, it feels like we kind of know what they are at this point. Um, you know, again, I don't want to make too rash judgments. I guess this is the only thing I was thinking of is, and this is like such like a old school basketball coach type type talk, but there's just something about this team. They're just so choppy. Like like basketball needs to be on both sides of the ball. It needs to be fluent on a string together, pass with a purpose, cut with a purpose, people knowing their roles, performing the fundamentals at a high level. And geez, it's just it's it's hard to see that right now. And again, it's early. Like I, I think it it should improve throughout the year. Um, but it just feels at least uh, you know, like I said, the first half, the first twelve minutes, tough tough watch, no doubt. I'm sure there was some nerves there, guys trying to do too much. Um, but I just need to see it from like, all right, like we're all on the same page here because. You have guys still over dribbling, you know, picking up their dribble in the wrong spot, uh, you know, passing to, you know, where they're not supposed to. So it's early. I'm not going to rush to judgment at all. Uh, but hey, I guess a 40 point win is that's what you're supposed to do against a team like that. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. But like, winning by 41, it, it's the expectation. There were certain things that did not look. Great. I mean, we had 22 turnovers against Simmons College. Yeah. We should not have 22 turnovers against Simmons College. I think that goes without saying. But I, I think that there were some bright spots for sure. I thought that – I mean, Curtis Williams is better than I thought he was going to be as a freshman. Like He, he, looks, like, he looks like a player. I mean, that, that shooting form is picture perfect. He's got a quick release. Everything about that was nice. He had a great finish around the rim in transition as well. Um, I, I like his game a lot. I think he's a player. I, I think we know how good Trey White is. Sky Clark, I was hoping he'd look a little bit more dynamic, um, but I still think he's going to be reliable in most cases to run the show. He clearly has the trust of Kenny Payne. That's a good thing. Dennis is fucking Dennis. I mean, De- Dennis can do no wrong in my eyes. I, like, no, same here. De- I, I'm like all. I mean, I think the whole fan base is on the Dennis train right now. He's already got favorite kid status. Where like he can do it. Like nobody else can get away with the things that Dennis can get away with. If you know, if Sky Clark misses free throw at any point this season, I'm gonna be like, God damn it, Sky! <laughs> Dennis can miss seven straight free throws by a mile, and I'm gonna be like, Oh, Dennis, you're a, yeah. you're a do- we'll work on this during the off season. You're 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 adorable. Like it, it's very like he's he's the favorite kid. There's no way around it. He had four dunks last night. I, I would have given him, uh, you know, like I, I wish he'd had 17 dunks, but nine points, nine rebounds. Dennis looked good. Uh, I thought all the freshmen looked good. Caleb Glenn, yeah, I'm getting strong like. Dre Davis, Dwayne Sutton type vibes where he like he, he can shoot it a little bit from the outside, but he's you know more physical for his size than he should be. He'll finish in traffic, um, like sort of like the that alpha energy. I, I like that a lot. Um, the platoon stuff is weird to me. I wasn't expecting to see that in the exhibition game. I know he talked about Kenny Payne talked after the game about you know, it's just a, trying to see which guys can fit into our system, which guys can can, can work like this. He he mentioned during his Tuesday press conference that Trey White and Sky Clark 
he hasn't played them together at all during practice, which, which to me is very strange when th- those are arguably your two best players and, and probably your two best guards. Like eventually that's going to have to change. Eventually those two guys are going to have to, to learn how to play with one another because I don't think we can do this platoon thing the entire season. And I think, I mean, I think Trey White's our most talented player. I think he's going to wind up being our best player. Sky Clark's clearly the point guard. Those two are going to have to be on the floor at the same time. They were only on the floor together for a minute during this exhibition game, and that was because Trey White was set to be subbed out, and he missed a free throw, and they kind of had to play together. That, to me, is very strange, uh, but we'll, you know, we have plenty of time, 12 days until the next uh, exhibition game, and then plenty of time until that November 6th opener against UMBC. Uh, Karan Davis did not look good. Like no. the, he was the big mystery for me. I, I I still think his recruitment is so bizarre and so strange. Uh, I was fascinated to see what he looked like, and he looked like he just was completely lost last night. That was a very rough run for him. But outside of, of that, I didn't think there was anybody else that looked just totally overwhelmed by the moment. Again, it's Simmons College; they shouldn't look overwhelmed by the moment. But they're like, they, I think the the freshmen all looked surprisingly good. I think Trey White looked good. Um, Brent Huntley Hatfield looked sort of the same that, that he did last year. He, he disappeared, didn't do much. Emmanuel Okorafor didn't do a whole lot. I think that you're still outside of Dennis looking for an inside presence. But, uh, you know, again, we have time to work on all that. Yeah, I, I think you're you're pretty accurate there. I, I agree with most of the stuff. Trey White, um, I see it. I, I wish we had, like, a, a, a bona fide star player because I think he could – fit really well into that like kind of Robin role for a Batman. Like I think he has a nice mid range game. Um, you know, I think he could be in the right spots and, and kind of have like a role cut out versus last night. I think he was trying to do a little bit too much at times over dribbling, getting into the lane, um, you know, not really knowing what to do with the ball, but sky, I think sky is going to be a, a nice player. Um, I think for us to be really like a like a actual tournament contender, he's gonna have to even elevate his game more, you know. And it's unfair. I mean, he is what he is. I, I guess for me, from a fan standpoint, I was maybe expecting not expecting, but I was hoping for maybe a little bit more of like an explosive athlete when I was watching Sky. I don't know. That sounds probably a little bit bad i think he's a nice player but i'm right there with you i think you're right like i i was hoping he was a little bit more than what i saw last night um but yeah i mean the freshmen i i i definitely think there's signs there i mean curtis williams i think everyone was pretty happy with him anyone that has like their wrists taped i'm like he's probably gonna be a good (laughs) shooter like that's like automatically like two or four from three-point land like if you have your wrist taped um Dennis is Dennis, you know, is he going to take his lumps against, you know, some big man this year? Of course he is. Like, there's no doubt you can see the skinny frame. He's got to put weight on. Um, But he's also going to, you know, do things on the defensive end that I think will help us tremendously. You know, I think the post moves are a long way away, but, you know, he'll, he'll do some things. I think you're spot on with Caleb Glenn. Um, he feels like someone that's going to be kind of a rock for our program at some point. I'm sure he's just kind of, uh, you know, getting ingrained in the, in the basketball, in the Louisville basketball culture, but I could just see him being a total fan favorite by the time he leaves here. Um, and then, yeah, Karan, 
long way to go there. So um, the Brandon Hunley Hatfield deal, it's going to be interesting to see kind of which route Kenny goes. Like, are, are we really going to, you know, go young and be like, hey, we're, we're, we're playing for the future a little bit um, because, geez, I mean, he just does not have, to me at least, the motor that you need to kind of compete at this level. Will he have nice moments? Of course, like he can hit outside shots, you know, he'll throw a post move on you every once in a while, but he's that motor just feels so far away from where I feel like every fan wants it to be that we're going to get frustrated at times. So yeah, first game, 40 point win. Um, you can't, you know, say anything too negative about that. So it'll be interesting to see how they come out against Kentucky. I thought it was, yeah. I I thought it was concerning that at his like preseason press conference, Kenny Payne was talking about all the guys, and he was being very complimentary for most of them. And with Huntley Hatfield, he was he kind of stopped and and said, you know, we need more from Brandon. I was like, oh boy, like that's that's not a good sign. That's kind of what we heard all of last year, and it seems like maybe not a whole lot has changed there. The one time that he did try to get aggressive and go to the rim, he got stuffed. And I hated that because I was like, he needs the confidence to to keep doing this. Like, you are a, a huge dude with a great frame who's got athleticism for somebody your size. Like, you need to be attacking the rim. And we didn't see a lot of that last year. And, and the one time that he tried against Simmons College, he got blocked. So that wasn't a great start. Overall, I mean, nothing happened last night. You know, there were little things here and there, but my overall big picture of, of year two under Kenny Payne has not changed. I don't know if yours did at all, but like I, I still think this is going to wind up being a 13 to 18 win team. That's not like, the worst team in the world. Certainly better than last year, but like they're going to be never flirting with the NCAA tournament. It's going to be below our, our, typical expectations for Louisville basketball. And then everyone's going to have to decide whether or not that's good enough for them to move forward in this era. Like, I think that that's, I think that's who we're going to be. I hope I'm wrong. The schedule is really bad. I think they're going to stockpile some wins in the non-conference and then we'll see how they fare against, um, you know, Texas and then either Indiana or UConn in that, that tournament in New York. But it's, I still think this is going to be a just, very slightly below average team when all said and done. That's, that's not good. To me, uh, you know, everyone's like, well, what do you, you know, what do you base this season on like wins or eye test? And like, I mean, it's the cliche answer. I think it's a little bit of both. I think that's what everyone's saying. But at the same time, I mean, it's, to me, it's going to be very important to see the development, especially in some of these freshmen, like, you know, by by February, are we dealing with the same things that we're dealing with now? Um, you know, because last year I did, there just was not. I mean, Mike James, but I mean, even that he didn't play the year before, so I don't know how much you can call it development, or if that's just is if that's just what he is. So uh, it'll be interesting. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of with you that that maybe eleven to fourteen game. I'm I'm lowering it a little bit. Um, that's kind of where I see us right now. Although we do have a pretty manageable schedule here, and as far as non-conference goes, besides Arkansas and is it Arkansas and UConn? Am I saying that? Is that no? It's, it's Texas. Texas. That's right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That that's that's going to be interesting. Uh, 
it, it, there's just so much unknown. It's hard to really say. I mean, like, yeah, we won 91-50, but that was basically like playing a, you know, a glorified, you know, high school team. Yeah, the Ken Palm updated his rankings for the season. Louisville is 109 in the Ken Palm rankings, which is, you know, it sounds terrible, but they were 290 at the end of last year. So there's yeah. a, the, 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 his, his algorithm is expecting us to take a jump forward because historically we've been a pretty good team. Remember, we had never finished out outside of the top 50 in Ken Palm before the, the last Chris Mack season where we, we ended up finishing like 88 or whatever it was. So, you know, his algorithm takes that into account. It says if you've been historically good, you should be good, or at least better than people think you're going to be. So we're 109 there. If you want to look at the schedule real quick, UMBC is 273. There are 363 teams in Division One, So UMBC is 273. Chattanooga is 203. Coppin State is 357. New Mexico State, who had to end their season in the middle of last year, is 178. Bellarmine is 232. DePaul is one spot behind us at 110. Suck it. Eat it. Fuck you, DePaul. Uh, Arkansas State is 172, and Pepperdine is 190. This is the worst non-conference schedule that we have put together in a long, long time. You've got the two games uh, in New York, and then you've got Kentucky. Outside of that, like we should, a, a, any normal UofL basketball team, would sweep the rest of that non-conference slate. I'm hoping that they take care of business and we at least can build up some confidence going into conference play. But it's why I think they're going to – like people who are like, well, we're only going to win five games again. If we only win five games this year, it'll be way worse than only winning four last year because the schedule is much, much more uh, conducive to a team that, that is just trying to st- – we're going the, the Georgetown route where they wanted to – you know, be like 11-0 and get people's attention despite not really playing anybody. So I, I, it won't be until we go to New York that I think we find out some stuff about this team. And, and if they're competitive up there, then cool, let's roll. If they're not, then I think it'll be, you know, we'll be more in line with where we were a year ago. The uh, the crowd was a little concerning. That the was crowd the... was low. They announced that, uh, the announced attendance was over 11,000. There were probably, what, 4,000 people there? It was lower than the red-white scrimmage, I'll say that. Yeah, and I mean... Yep, I don't know. We're just we're, we're going to have to I mean the team's just going to have to pretty much lay it all on the line every night to kind of get everyone bought back in cuz um unfortunately after last year the program just dug itself such a deep hole with with some of the fans and I hate that. I mean, I, we uh, we we know how much the city loves basketball and to see some of the pictures rolling last night of the crowd like I just if you would have told me that 15 years ago at any point, um, whether it's a scrimmage or anything, it's, uh, it's disheartening. So, you know, we'll, we'll be back. I know we will, but, um, you know, I think we're, even as fans, you know, we're going to have to kind of become one with the program and all get on the same page here. 41 point win though. We're, yeah. We're, 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 we're happy about that. It's been a long time since we talked about a lopsided yeah. U of L victory. I mean, the other exhibition game we had last year besides the loss was a seven-point win over Chaminade that was, was pretty close. And then all four of the regular season wins were relatively close. So You know what? We forgot, nice. to talk about, we forgot to talk about Tyler. Um, Tyler looked good. I like yeah, Tyler. I, I do, too. I think he's going to be nice. Uh, he's someone that, you know, I think for certain stretches. And this is kind of why I wanted to recruit a kid like him. He's, he seems like someone that's going to come in and kind of, you know, energize the crowd and, and, and maybe, you know, do a little bit of hounding on the perimeter um, if you need them to. So uh, I, I, I really, I, I like for the most part what I saw out of the freshmen. So that part I was, I was very encouraged by. 
I think there were three straight possessions in the second half where he drove and dished and picked up an assist. And like, I think that's what he can do. Like he's a, he's probably going to have some of those freshman mistakes. He, he's an yeah. energetic player, but like the, the outside shot is going to be very streaky. He has like kind of like an Edgar Sosa outside shot where, you know, he, he releases it kind of coming down. And I feel like if it goes in once, he'll probably, he's liable to hit three or four in a row. But if he misses that first one, it's, it's not going to be his night. Uh, but he, he was able to get into the, the teeth of the defense last night consistently, and then he made the right passes a lot. He's got some bounce. He's got uh, quickness to him. He's got that the old New York City point guard mentality, which you have to say. I think you're contractually obligated to say that when you talk about a <laughs> yeah. kid from New York. Yeah. Uh, but he, like, I, I liked what I saw from him last night. I thought he played well. All right, let's take some questions from Twitter before we get out of here today. Uh, are you ready, Dan? Yeah, let's do it. Carl says, "How disappointed are you that Niles Crane is not in the Frazier reboot?" I'm, 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 uh, I'm floored. I loved Frazier when it was out originally. Uh, big Frazier guy. I, I don't know if I'll even watch the reboot. It's not Frazier without Niles. What are you doing? Man, I never watched Frazier. Um, You're a fucking loser. I know. I, I feel like if I watched it now, I would probably enjoy it. Like, you know, I was an Everybody Loves Raymond, King of Queens guy. Like that was my jam. Uh, Zorba Corp says, says, why for the love of all things holy have today's coaches abandoned the QB sneak when they have less than the length of a a touchdown squirrel's leg to make for a first down or TD? Well, not everybody has. I mean, you've got the the tush push has become a a national phenomenon. But I'm I'm sure this is in reference to us not quarterback sneaking on the fourth and one call. But, uh, I mean, you still see it out there. Yeah, there's got to be a reason. I mean, I, you know, I just, I, I'm kind of in the same way as, you know, whoever put this question and I, I don't understand it. It seems like it's easy enough to just get under center and push forward for a yard, but there has to be more to it. You know, I'm not a football guy, so um, I, I don't have that answer. Uh, let's see. Our guy Danimal says, when the Bills play the Jags, if Josh Allen intercepts Josh Allen, then Josh Allen tackles Josh Allen, causing Josh Allen to fumble, but Josh Allen recovers the fumble, what team has the ball? I mean, you can follow that until the very end because the Josh Allen recovering the fumble could be either the offensive player or the defensive player. So it's an, un- it's an unanswerable question, Dan. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd have to actually see the question written down to follow it, but um, I'll trust your, your gut there. Kevin uh, says, would you rather have to use the same sheet of toilet paper to wipe your butt for the rest of your life or get new toilet paper, but it's only sandpaper? It's got to be uh, sandpaper. Sandpaper. I mean, you that's... Can't one sheet is done. Like, after one time, I can't use it again. Imagine, like, 50 years, you're like, oh, my God. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's you... no way. <laughs> it would be like, yeah. That would... Uh, A terrible you'd question. Probably, you'd probably die. Um, what choice one? Uh, Michael Zimmer says, "Who is the one basketball player this year that you would want on the football team, and who is one player on the football team that you would want on the basketball team?" I'll go with uh, Caleb Glenn. Throw him in there at tight end. Um, he seems like he could do some things. Although Dennis in a football uniform would just be glorious. I mean, I'm going Dennis a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> way around it i want dennis is the answer for jack Plummer. like who's going to be the quarterback next year it's dennis yeah um as far as football player on 
I mean, we could really use Ashton down low to kind of throw some bodies out of the way. I'll go with Ashton. Yeah, I don't know who – usually you have guys in the football team that are local that you knew were good players in high school. Like Marshawn Ford was a, was a baller. Uh, I tell you what, Josh Meekins actually was a very good basketball player at Ballard. Um, I'll go with him. I, I think he could – like I think he could legitimately play on this year's basketball team in like a reserve kind of walk-on role. He, he could be the Aiden McCool of this year's team, which I love that Aiden got in the game. and He ended like the highlight video that they put out on social media. Yeah, that was great. I do think that he's wasting the biggest opportunity we've had for jersey sales in a long time. A McCool 69 jersey would just do wonders for his NIL because now, you know, you don't you, you can have the, the digits that are higher than five in college basketball. So, I don't know. I mean, I'd buy a McCool 69 jersey. Are you kidding me? It's Is he 99? Is that – do I he's, remember that correctly? He's 33 now. 30 – okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know a lot. Goose says, Is Dennis Evans funnier to watch than Mott Stockman? He's better than Mott Stockman. So. Yeah. I mean, like, Mott's was all fun in games, and then we, like, actually had to use him in the U.K. game that one year. <laughs> and I got so pissed. I was like, God damn it, Mott's. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, like, I, I don't know what Dennis has to do for me to get mad at him, but it, it's going to take a lot. The third de- dunk that Dennis had last night where he, he basically dunked it straight down and it bounced, like, straight up in the air because he's so tall – it was like me dunking on on John's Fisher Price goal. Like, it, I, I don't think I've ever seen a Louisville player that has dunked like that in the game. I was like, this is incredible. I, I just want to watch him do normal stuff all the time. He's Dennis is the man. And then you look I mean, the goggles. He's got it all. Dennis has everything. Yeah, I just love his demeanor. Like I, I really do. Like I, I, do too. I think it's a good demeanor to have too. Like he's just pretty pretty mild mannered, um, but like he you can tell that he's he's doing his best to play hard. He's got a wonderful disposition. Yeah. You, did you see the video a few weeks ago of Dennis falling asleep in class? Oh, I mean, I don't know how we haven't <laughs> talked about that. That is like <laughs> one of the best, like out of you know, out of office card videos I've ever seen. I mean, I laugh. Like whoever filmed that, like, deserves like some sort of award. That's the funniest thing I've ever seen. So Dennis is sleeping in class. He like kind of has the like the, he jerks awake. His glasses fall <laughs> off, and he catches the glasses in one motion. <laughs> It's incredible, but also you know, let, let my man Dennis sleep in class. Yeah, he's working real yeah. hard. Like, leave, leave him alone. Let let Dennis be Dennis. Let yeah, him. we're not putting Dennis on blast. Okay, like let's let, just let him, let him live his life. We've yeah. all been there. It's fine. Yeah. Tubi says one. Uh, is this the Lions' year? Of course it is. Two. Does your blood pressure spike when you hear Dan say "especially" instead of "especially"? I've I've just come to terms with it. Yeah, there's certain words that it, you know. You've it done like four times this episode already, too. Like, Have I? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Especially on defense. By the way, you you are like your lions kind of all in here. You're, I mean, this. I know you've never been in this position before. Um, but I can already tell you're you're gonna have your heart ripped out here at the end of the year. Like you are, you're posting like. Uh, on your Instagram, like this is what it would look like if the Lions won the Super Bowl. I was like, I did oh no, oh no, here we go. This is so. this this is legitimately the first time in my life that I felt overly confident in a Lions team. Like, like we just don't do Lions stuff. I don't, I don't know any other way to put it. Like we were good in the twenty was a fourteen team, the, the team that lost to the Cowboys. I thought was the best Lions team. We got fucked by the, in, in that game. It was a terrible pass interference call that they overturned. Like that that was probably the best the most confidence I had in the Lions team. And even then it was sort of like, maybe they can win a game in the playoffs. And then after that, they, they're just overmatched. Like right now I'm looking at the NFC and I'm like, we, we can play with anybody. So 
I say this as a fan of a team that has not won a playoff game since I was seven years old, but I, I, I've, my confidence is up. I've never felt this way about a Lions team. They just do the little stuff right. They don't do any dumb stuff. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in. Like, I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, but I do think they're going to win the North, make the playoffs, and I think they're a live threat to win at least one playoff game for sure. So I'm excited. Very excited. Well, I we we have reverse roles this year. I'm, as we a do. Vikes fan, I I'm like contemplating each week. Like, do I want to lose this game? Like, um, the the last thing I want to do is go, you know, seven and nine or whatever, eight and nine. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, do the lines look good? Yeah, they look pretty good. But uh, you know, let's let's pump the brakes here a minute. Still got the Niners. Still got the Eagles. Cowboys, I think, will be a threat, but um, we're fine. We're good. Yeah, I do hope. I mean, whatever. That I guess it's an asshole thing of me to say, but I hope you get to go through at least one experience <laughs> that I've gone through as a Vikes fan, so you could just be like, "Holy shit, this is the worst thing ever." What if the opposite happens though? Like you, you've come so close your entire life as a Vikings fan to like the pinnacle of the sport. What if the Lions won the Super Bowl this year, like the I first mean, year of them being good? How bitter are you going to be? Oh, I mean, I'd be in the darkest place you could <laughs> you could imagine. Like Lions or Bears win a Super Bowl before the Vikes, you know, coming up here, I will be in a very very bad place. Because Lions Vikes is like the one sports feud that you and I have, where it's yeah. like they're in the same division. You've made fun of the, the Lions my, our entire lives as friends. I've made fun of the fact that the Vikings like they have their heart ripped out in the playoffs in the most excruciating way every single time. If the Lions won a Super Bowl before the Vikings, I don't think that I would ever let you hear the end of it. It'd be incredible. Yeah, well, hop on the the wagon for that. There's a lot of other fan bases that like to poke fun at us. So, Card78 says, Sam Hartman has shaved his beard. Does Dan still find him attractive? You know what's funny on Twitter? Like, I feel like, not that I was the one that obviously discovered his handsomeness, but um, I feel like it's starting to catch on like wildfires like how good looking of a guy this guy is so um yeah i don't i don't understand shaving the beer that's 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 a kind of a weird look i'm actually thinking about growing a mustache i don't know why i said that out loud but um plumber style yeah grow, grow the mustache back jack what are you doing he shaves it every time he plays terrible i know yeah it, it, maybe he's got like a girl on the side that's telling him what to do i have no idea but it, we we need the mustache He's had the mustache for two games this year, Boston College and Notre Dame, maybe his two best games of the season. I mean, two plus two equals four. Yeah, he's got a bye week to really Yeah, he's got a bye week to grow that baby out. Let's just let's just roll into it and out with L and and see what happens. There's an entire subset of TikTok, by the way, I found this out last week, that is like girls making videos about how attractive Sam Hartman and Marcus Freeman are. It's like it if they they said it's like a love song, and then just like shots of, of Sam Hartman on the sidelines and shots of Marcus Freeman on the sidelines. So Notre Dame football, so hot right now when they're not playing Louisville. I, I read a comment somewhere that he looks like a Disney character, and it's like the most accurate thing of all time. He's like a bearded Gaston. Yeah, exactly. Uh, are we gay? <laughs> <laughs> we just think he's an attractive man. What do you want me to say? Yeah, I mean, hey. We're very com- we're very comfortable in our sexuality yeah, on the CC are. podcast. Man, this is this is the CC pod. Christopher, uh, let's see. Uh, it, Ryan Keeling says, "Dan, thoughts on Israel?" No, we're not doing that. Uh, let's move on. We're not doing that. Yeah. Terry says, on a scale of one to ten, how close were you to jumping off the Second Street Bridge after watching the first ten minutes of the exhibition game last night? 
Uh, it was. I mean, I was not happy. It was. I, mean, I was very angry. I, I was just getting back to the whole like, here we fucking go again. Thankfully, they figured it out. But it was like I, I wouldn't even be depressed anymore. Like I, after last year, it was as bad as it could possibly get. I just kind of like I'm expecting this year to not be great. I'm expecting it to be better than it was a year ago. And for us to come out and look exactly like we did a year ago in, in the first exhibition game was certainly disappointing. But to the team's credit. They fixed things and they won a game that they were supposed to win by a lot, by a lot. So there's that. I, I think for the most part, like the fan base wants everything, you know, uh, we're on the same page. We want the team to win. We, you know, it would be awesome if it happened under Kenny. Um, but a, as we know, there's very small fractions that are loud fractions of the fan base. You have your pro Kenny Payne and your, your not pro Kenny Payne guys, especially on, on the Twitter app. Those first 10 minutes had to be like a euphoric ecstasy drug for the Kenny Payne haters. They're like, yes, oh, my <laughs> God, they look horrible. I knew it all along. Like, um, You saw so, it, too. You saw it yeah. coming out. Oh, 100%. I'm like, here they come. So, yeah, I, you know, I hate that part. But obviously they, they, the ship was righted by the end of the night. Our guy Carrito says, any news on the recent LSU wide receiver decommit? Uh, he's talking about JoJo Stone, who is a four-star kid. He's the number seven receiver in, in the 2024 class, according to 24-7 Sports. I thought this is like one of the weirdest things going for the last few months, is that so JoJo Stone has been committed to LSU since last summer. He's taken like a million visits here. He has a Louisville Cardinals chain that he constantly shows off on his social media, not like an L chain that you would be like, oh, maybe that's actually for LSU. It's like the actual bird logo, the chain, and he wears it all the time. I'm like, why is this guy going to LSU? He has officially decommitted from LSU. There was a on-three crystal ball prediction that he's going to go to Louisville. Uh, It seems likely that Louisville has a very solid in here. I know Florida's hard after him, Texas is hard after him, but it seems like we have a very realistic shot. At, uh, at landing JoJo Stone, who would be a big boost for our 20, uh, 2024 class. I like it. Um, kind of on the same topic, were you a chain guy growing up? I don't really remember you being a chain I, guy. I never wore a chain. I know you had, You were a chain guy. I was I was a chain guy. Um, you had your number I, at I, one point. I remember that. I did. I had, I had a gold chain. I was like number nine for everything, so I had like a nine charm. I had a silver chain that, I lost in the weight room at Trinity. I'm like convinced to this day somebody stole it. I think I like didn't get over it for two months, but probably <laughs> probably a good thing that happened to me. I love the fact that you were a chain guy. No, I, I never. <laughs> yeah, I was never an accessory guy. There is a, also out there. You want to make the message boards go a little crazy here? There's a there's a possibility. I won't say names, but a wide receiver name from the past, one that we're all familiar with, may or may not have had somebody reach out to Louisville. Maybe interested in playing for the Cardinals at some point down the line. Just keep an ear out. Just tell them you heard it on the CC podcast first. You'll know who it is. It's fine. Just I don't even know. I'm like racking my brain and I can't even think. Oh, ooh. Um, initials TH? No. All right. Travis Hunter? No, he's not coming in. No. All right. Yeah. Not Travis. Not Tyler, not Tyler yeah, that's, either. That's what no. I was thinking. But I'll tell you after the spot. Okay. Alex says, last week we found out that Danny doesn't know how to mail a letter. Does he know how to write a check? I know how to write a check, all right? Jesus. Like, I, hey, it, it, I've, I learn new stuff every day. Like, there's no classes for mailing letters. Um, I never watched my <laughs> parents do it. Uh, 
So now I know I can write a check. Come on, guys. I'm I'm 38. I'm getting through life. I'm a father of three. My my kids will never listen to this. No. Uh, Raylan Manny says, with the loss to Pitt, is beating UK now more important than getting to the ACC title game? Eh, it it does feel important. Like I, I think that especially if we drop a game or two more before the UK game, if you want to to you know to end the season with the fans having the same enthusiasm that they had after being six and zero, it probably is going to take a win over UK. But I would say, I mean, if you're giving me the option, it would suck to be ten and two with a loss to Kentucky. But if you're giving me the option, playing in a conference championship game is a big deal, especially when it would be Florida State and a shot to beat a top five team and go to the Orange Bowl. Like I would take, I think I would take the conference championship game as badly as I want to beat Kentucky this year. I think for a majority of the would say beating Kentucky is more important. But from a national perception, I think, like you said, getting to the ACC championship would be more, uh, you know, bigger in their eyes. Plus, uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, I mean, God, if we can make some sort of, you know, playoff, or not playoff, but like New Year's Bowl uh, in Jeff Brom's first season, um, like an Orange Bowl, that, I mean, that would just be huge for this program. We have like five questions about the same thing, which is the – I don't even know if you've seen this. The the, the Kenny Payne slip-up in the post-game press conference. Or, or do you know what I'm talking about? I'll be honest. I don't care. I really don't. doesn't bother me. I like, don't either. It, like, I, doesn't bother me at all. If you don't know what we're talking about, Kenny Payne was, was answering a question, and he said – uh, blue-white scrimmage instead of red-white scrimmage. And is it, uh, I mean, I guess a little bit annoying, sure. Is it an honest mistake? Yeah. Like, there are there are a million things to be upset with Kenny Payne about over the last year and a half. Accidentally saying blue-white scrimmage is very low on that list for me. It didn't It, it didn't bother me. Like, it's, it was like the Lori Gonzalez, the interim president, saying Kentucky at the UofL graduation, which honestly is worse than, than saying blue-white scrimmage at a post-exhibition press conference. You're the president of the school at a graduation. Maybe you should should not say the rival school's name during your commencement speech. Um, but like, like, that didn't bother me. It was an honest mistake. So Believe me. Old Dan has had slip-ups a lot worse than that. <laughs> usually involve girls. So, um, <laughs> anyways, yeah. I mean, saying blue-white, it's an honest mistake. I, you know, I'm sure he feels you know bad about it, but uh, I'm – not bothered in the uh, in the slightest. There was a slight concern that you were going to pull a Ross Geller at the uh, at the altar and, and say the wrong name when you got married. I think we all. Oh, I'm like... sure you guys were like betting if I was going to do something stupid. <laughs> you nailed it. It was it went, went off without a hitch. You're still married. It's great. All right. Daniel says I heard Dan is going to be a late addition to KP's staff. Can you confirm? Also, Mike, what position are you going to play to ensure that we win at least eight games? Dennis is hype man. I hope. I love the show. Thank you, Daniel. What if you just turned on the game one day and I was on staff? <laughs> they just like slowly pan one by one down the staff, and it's like just me sitting next to Dennis in like my red quarter zip. Um, that'd be quite the scene. Like, I kind of no. wish we wore suits. I don't know. I know, like, I, I just I'm nitpicking here. I know there's more important things to worry about, but um, and again, it's Simmons College. I don't expect to wear a suit against Simmons, but when the season starts, I'd like some suits. I'm just imagining you like not saying anything to anybody. The camera slowly pans down, and you're just like ripping Zan Payne a new asshole on the bench. 
Like, God damn it, Sam. I'm like, running what? out the the chairs for the timeout, just like frantically grabbing them and putting them down. Is that is that Dan? Is that, did he not tell us he was on the staff? Yeah. How did this happen? Why is he so mad at Danilo Yovanovich? They're um, like, they're, after the timeout, it's like when they break huddle, they're walking out of the floor. I'm like extending myself out on the court with the <laughs> marker board, like drawing up an extra play. They're like, who the fuck is this guy? Like budging Kenny out of the way, taking the marker board over. Yeah. Um, let's see. We have time for a couple more. Joe Jackson says, shouldn't Dan Devine be in your top five worst people in the movie, Rudy? I mean, the guy was not nice. Oh, he was an asshole for no reason. He sucked. Yeah. A lot was of football he... coaches are assholes. Um, but, yeah, he was not nice. Gil Bolberg says, did you see that Master P is producing a TV series about his life? When they cover his time as a sports media personality, which actor would you like to be cast as Mike Rutherford? Um, the only comparison I've ever got consistently since I've gotten older has been Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. The uh, the guy who was Jesse. I'll go with that. That's fine. I, I'm willing to accept that. I, I think Paul Giamatti would be a, a, a good actor for you. Stop. I do. It's not even about the looks. I just I get I get the same vibes. Um, a Giamatti vibe. I don't like that. Dude, I love Paul Giamatti. I he's think like he's twenty awesome. years older than we are. I know, but he's a great actor. Do all I mean, bald guys look alike to you, Dan? No, they don't. But God, you gotta admit he was really good in sideways. He was he's a great actor. Yeah. Just, I, I don't I don't like the comparison. Yeah. Well like, the comparison I get is Matthew Lillard from the old Scream movies and Without a Paddle and Scooby Doo, so For good reason. Yeah. Connor Shea says, what are they hiding in the dome of the Aegon Tower? Why can't we go up there? I've, I've, so I've been to the, I guess, the top floor conference room at the, whatever it is, like the Aegon Tower, Mercer Tower. I don't even know what it's called now. But can you not go up in the dome? I want to go up in the dome. Yeah, go up in the dome. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we all know we call it, we, we, we've called it the penis building for a long time. It's um, just you. It, it is just me. But, yeah, I don't know what's going on up there. All right, do you have a day in the dumps for this week? No, nothing good. I scratched my cornea. We, te- <laughs> we texted about it. Okay, so, like, this was off. I got home Friday night, and I was like, oh, my eye kind of hurts. And uh, I went to bed, and, like, I kept, like, I was like, oh, my God, I can't even, like, lay here with the lights out. And I was like, I, I thought, like, at this point I was, like, getting pink eye, and I was just kind of being a baby about it and kim's like god what's wrong i was like i don't know so i woke up the next day and like it was i mean very very painful and i was like geez i was like i can't believe pink eye hurts this bad so anyways i ended up going to urgent care and they're like yeah you scratch your cornea but i had no idea that what went along with that like i was getting headaches and everything it was awful i wanted to make fun of you when you told us this i've had it happen before it fucking sucks like it, it does is- it is, I, and I had it even in a worse way. We have this like blue spruce tree in our backyard with those like real thick, you know, needles. And I was just walking to, to pick up a, like a wiffle ball had gone underneath there, and I was walking to pick it up, and like just happened to get one of the needles right in my right eye. Oh and god! And it was like you like didn't think anything of it at the time. I was like ah, that that kind of hurt. And then as time went on, like it is an absolute bitch. I specifically remember doing radio the next day, and John was out, and so I was by myself. And I like, I, I, like, I like, like tears streaming down my right eye. I can't keep yeah. it open. And our producer is, is like, "What's going on?" I'm like, I, "I don't know if I can do the show." I was like, "My <laughs> right eye is like, it's fucking killing me." I'm like, it's so much pain, I can't see anything. 
and I felt like the biggest bitch alive. But I was like, this sucks. It is terrible. It's not fun at all. I will. I will never ever say a negative word about Juan Palacios again. <laughs> um, yeah, like the 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 Juan goggles. Jeez. Uh, but no, yeah, you're exactly right. It it was just eye watering the entire day, and I basically had to watch that pit monstrosity with one eye. So that sucked. All right, uh, big thanks to everybody who tuned in this week. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating. Give us a review. We'll read those on uh, the next episode, promise. And uh, we'll, we'll be back next week. We'll talk. We'll have another basketball. Well, we actually won't. We'll have an exhibition game that we'll be getting ready for that weekend against um, uh, Kentucky Wesleyan. We'll be getting ready for the Duke game, getting fired up. Volleyball's is rolling. It's all happening. We're still fine. Everything's okay. Nothing is fucked. We're all good. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, enjoy your bye weekend and go cards. To keep our composure, go cards. Ha, <laughs>